0: sports radio 104.3 the fan every saturday morning it's terry wickstrom outdoors terry takes you inside the outdoors you know hunting
1: fishing camping it's terry wickstrom outdoors now here's terry good morning on this sunny colorado morning i tell you looking out the window at my studio on fort collins It is gorgeous. It's going to be in the, I think, around 40-something today and close to 50 tomorrow. But we had cold enough water where there is some front-range ice fishing going on. I went out and did some checking myself. Plus, we're going to have others on to talk about it. In addition to that, we have a lot of topics to cover today. We'll cover um, some fishing around the state. Our dog trainer, Ben Garcia, is going to come on in the second hour. And he's going to talk about the things you do when you're training your puppy that come back to haunt you later on. And that's going to be pretty interesting. Also, some tips for when you are taking your dog out in the cold weather. He'll be with us the second hour. We're going to talk a little bit a couple different times, too, about the snow geese, both as migrations coming through and bird watching, but also as the conservation season. And what a great opportunity to get out and do a little uh, extend your waterfall hunting season. So we've got all that coming up and more let's go to the phones uh joining us from fishing with bernie is uh, dan shannon good morning dan good morning Terry. so are you uh how are things up in the granby area well it looks like we finally got some ice uh, the
2: season is just getting starting started <laughs> and uh we've been having some really really good
1: fishing days out there lately now dan Typically, I know all the years I used to have to put up with Bernie. I mean that I got to talk to Bernie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We always kind of figured Christmas time was when we could probably get on the ice most years. But this was a different year, wasn't it?
2: It was a different year in that we could kind of tell that we might have a little bit of a late ice on as soon as the the lake trout spawn was kind of delayed this year. Um, the water temp kind of got a little higher this year and just overall, everything took a little bit longer. And then we got a bunch of heavy snows right at the
1: end of December, which really I think delayed it more than anything. How is the water level at Granby right now? Those are going to be questions well, going forward. The Go
2: water is 32 feet low from, from full. Um, so we're starting at where the ice typically comes off in the spring. Uh, so this is definitely going to be kind of a low water year for, for Granby and the lakes and area.
1: <laughs> Although it's still a very big lake with a lot of water, and <clears throat> but we're all going to be watching the snowpack this year, I'm pretty sure.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, that snowpack's important.
1: Since the activity, a couple things. You know, we always talk in ice fishing about late ice. I mean, early ice and late ice. Early ice is one of the best times to be on the, the lake, and there's a couple reasons. One, the water is still heavily oxygenated, which usually isn't an issue on Granby anyway but the fish haven't been bothered you always get a time where the boats and the shore anglers really can't fish but you can't get out on the ice well you kind of had an extended period of that and i've always had the theory that those longer extensions those fish get pretty complacent they're not used to being bothered seeing lures and you can make for some early early good fishing especially for numbers is that what you're seeing up there
2: that's exactly
1: what we're seeing this year.
2: There was a big long break without pressure, and the fish. I think overall, they're just in a. It's been in a feeding mood. We've been in some really, really favorable weather and stable weather patterns for fishing as well. I think that's definitely helping.
1: Now, as you're getting out on Granby, well, first, what kind of ice are you seeing out there? And is it pretty safe? We always say there's no safe ice, but ice fishing is safe if you use common sense. What are What are you seeing as far as ice conditions?
2: So we're still seeing varied conditions around the lake. Uh, the bays fro- froze first, so we're seeing the thickest ice there. Typically, that's uh, we're seeing that in the eight to ten inch area. Um, as you travel around the lake to where the where the on the main body, you're looking at anywhere from four four to eight. It just kind of depends on where you're at on the lake. Um, definitely, definitely, still a time to be checking and paying attention. There's lots of lots of ice heaves and some moving, and, and that just means the ice is growing and and doing what it needs to do this time of the year, but uh, definitely not a time to be complacent and have your safety gear and uh, have a plan for if something
1: happens to go wrong. Now, I want to jump around to some of the other lakes in the area, but since we're on Granby, let's stay there. I know the lake trout are the big draw there, but there's also a really good population of uh, browns, rainbows, and is there still a few kokanee? Oh, there's still, there's still
2: kokanee in there. They're kind of, they're far and few between. If you happen to find the the kokanee spot, though, magic
1: can happen. And what about the browns and the rainbows? Did you get into that earlier in the year at all from shore or close to shore? Oh, man. The brown and rainbow uh, trout
2: bite right now is excellent. If you're, they're, they're up in the shallows. They're, they're really moving and feeding. Uh, they're really taking advantage of this cold water. Find a lot of browns up along the rocky shorelines. Um, they pretty shallow. We're fishing. We're fishing for those with uh, black marabou jigs and uh, and small tube jigs up right up in the rocks and finding a lot of aggressive browns. The rainbows we're kind of finding a little bit more in the moving water areas. Um, kind of a lot of your typical rainbow trout stuff: small spoons, small tungsten tipped with the wax worm. But that that kind of that moving water where the inlets are seems to be key.
1: Now the rainbows and browns in Granby used to be very daytime sensitive it was usually a really good bite early and late but occasionally you'd get it going through the day is that the case or are they biting all day long uh it's definitely
2: been sensitive to the light we've had some really bright sunny days lately with this with the stable weather so as soon as okay. that time but you get start getting to that mid-morning uh, about nine o'clock usually that bite shuts off and we're off to chase some lake trout.
1: Yeah, and speaking of the lake trout, now, I've always, I mean, I've done both chase big lake trout on Granby and I've fished for the numbers. And a lot of times, both ice fishing and, of course, during the fall spawn, I love the numbers fishing on Granby because I can get out there, especially if I'm taking somebody with me. We can usually get into fish and you can catch the action can be really steady and you can take a few for the table because those, I don't know, 16 to 20 inch fish. Something in that range are the best eaters anyway. So, are you seeing a lot of numbers? You seeing big fish? You seeing a combination?
2: Oh, we're seeing a combination of both. We're seeing we'll be fishing for numbers fish, and a big fish will move in. Um, That numbers fish fishing has has been been excellent. I've yet to see a day where it's been really truly tough. This time of the year, you kind of look for the areas that are adjacent to those spawn type areas, Um, and those fish are still in the general same general area. Those those numbers size. And then the big fish are out cruising, looking for that big meal. So get out and drill some holes and they've been hungry. If you're willing to put in the work and be persistent, they are definitely there and ready to eat.
1: So what kind of presentations? First, do you change up your, I'm sure you change up your presentation when you're targeting big fish. Doesn't mean you won't get one on another presentation, but let's take the numbers first. What are some of your favorite presentations? So for the numbers, right now we've been
2: doing a lot of uh, small tubes, small crayfish imitations. Um, anything that you, anything that would be kind of scurrying around there on the bottom, and a tube jig does a really good job of imitating those. So tubes up to like two to three inches. It uh, doesn't seem to really matter if we're tipping with sucker meat or or if we're, if we're putting any scent on it or just a plain tube. It, it just seems that once you get that fish's attention, they're coming
1: right in and they're, they're giving you a chance. That's always nice when you don't have to mess with the bait. And, you know, so many brands nowadays have such great scent into their products, too, that uh, I think less and less. I, don't, I, you know, used to be, if you went 20 years ago, Dan, I wouldn't go ice fishing without some live bait. or not live bait, but some kind of natural bait with me. It could be live, could be cut bait. But I hardly take any anymore. I've gotten so confident in today's uh, soft baits
2: yeah i'm I'm right with you on that a lot of times I'll have it with me just as kind of a a backup for those tough days, but i I generally start without it and there's there's not as many days that we' we're, we're moving towards the bait anymore
1: now on the big fish, are you particularly targeting them? Or are you just getting incidental ones while you're fishing for numbers? and if you do target them, what do you change on your presentation?
2: So we've been targeting them specifically. So we upsize our baits. Those bigger fish are looking for that bigger meal. So we're getting out of the two and three inch tubes, and we're looking at six inches plus. Um, we're definitely getting to more likely ambush type areas, kind of the uh, the humps with deep water close by, um, and, and those, those type of areas where you think that a lake trout would be be up looking looking for that bigger meal, whether it's a rainbow brown or or where it can ambush or kokanee. And we we focus on these areas and. I, might not, I d- t- might not find a big fish on every one of them, but I know that if I'm persistent enough at it and I just look at my map and start hitting as many of them as I can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look and I'm going to find my, uh, right now, three to five bites is, from, a good, from good fish is, is a pretty decent day. So we're looking for those three
1: to five bites out of as many spots as we can put our lures down on. What type of fish, when we say big fish, you're saying three to five bites, you're hunting for them, but tell people the size of the fish you, can, you might be able to catch.
2: So we're we're looking for those fish that are thirty inches and plus. Um, last year, our biggest fish
1: on one of our guide trips went
2: forty two inches. So uh, there's definitely some potential for some good sized fish out of out of Lake Granby and, and Williams Fork and Grand Lake as well. The three lakes we guide on. And you, I think you caught a thirty six incher just recently, didn't you? Yeah, we actually we've caught a thirty six incher and a thirty seven incher um, on, our, on our trips last week. So um, they're definitely out there and. And put, putting in the work, and then be, be ready for when you get that bite, and hope everything goes just right, and you'll, you'll get a nice, nice picture and a good solid
1: release. Well, before we move on, I want to touch on some of the other lakes. It sounds like Granby's really fishing well, and it's just an ideal time to get up there. How long will the ice stay good, or the fishing stay good? Are you thinking about maybe two, three months?
2: Yeah, I'm usually typically about first part of April we start seeing the ice get to the point where where we stop guiding and and kind of it's a day-by-day day thing. And, and, you know, some years the ice will come off by end of April. Most years it's about the first part of May. Um, yeah, but we usually count on ending our, our season right around the first week of April.
1: All right, so what's going on? You mentioned uh, Williams Fork. Tell me about what's going on in some of the other lakes around you.
2: So Williams Fork is fishing fishing good as well. Um, the ice is thicker there. We're looking at 10 to 12 inches over most of the lake. And right now with the limited amount of snow we've gotten lately, the, the heavy snow that we got first that caused all the slush and stuff has is kind of solidified a little bit and travel on it's got much better. Um, I know our guide Rhett out there is, is having real good success with, with some of the larger fish. Um, he had a over the full moon pattern and our the stable weather they, they had a, a weekend that looked like five or six big fish that they, they put on the ice. So the bite out there is solid. Um, the numbers fishing uh, once you find you have to move a lot, you want to find the area that the, that the fish are in and that they're that they're active, um, the numbers fishing is good. And while you're numbers fishing out there, make sure you've got a, a rod rigged up with a big tube or some other type of big fish bait, because the big fish do move in in there and uh, occupy those same areas as those numbers fish at
1: time. What about pike? Do you see any pike at Williams Fork? Uh, we have not seen any pike yet. Uh, most of our trips
2: have been focusing on lake trout. We usually, we usually look to the pike as more of a late ice kind of bite. So um, as we get towards the end of March, we'll start transitioning into that. Okay. What
1: about some of the other lakes in the area?
2: So, uh, Wolford's got a good, uh, a good ice sheet on it. I've heard reports of thicknesses are in that 12-inch area as well. Um, with big, big numbers of rainbows and browns coming off that lake right now. Anything shallow, sub ten feet, um, with all those typical baits that the the trout are just loving this this consistent cool cool water temp and they're really actively feeding. Uh, Grand Lake also, uh, it, for the first couple weeks of the season, it got ice earlier than Granby so it got it got to absorb a portion of the pressure as related for it the to, to Grandview ice up. But uh, Grand Lake was fishing well and just as late. it Just kind of the fish are starting to bump a little deeper, getting a little bit tougher. Um, It did see a little bit of extra pressure this year, but fishing out on Grand Lake is still, you know, pretty consistent on a day-to-day basis with the numbers fish, um, as well as the rainbows and brown trout.
1: What about um, um, Willow Creek? Is that still a good fishing option? It is actually Willow Creek uh, fared much better than some of the, the outlooks that uh,
2: a lot of people in the area had after the fires. So uh, we a lot of reports of, of kokanee being caught out of Willow Creek right now, as well as big numbers of the, of the rainbows and the occasional brown out of there. Um, it's been a, it's been a really good early ice option for a lot of anglers.
1: You know, and Willow Creek maybe for some novice ice fishermen who maybe are afraid to tackle Granby or or Williams Fork. It's a lake that probably if you can move around enough to find some cruising fish and have some pretty good success without having to be, uh, you know, a real advanced angler, I would think.
2: Yes, yeah, so it's definitely a, a great uh, great lake for, for some of the newer ice anglers and even experience to get out there get out to the kokanee. But it's kind of it's, yeah, it's off the, off the beaten path a little bit, and, you know, it, it fishes well consistently through the ice.
1: I always like some of those sleeper lakes that maybe aren't going to have giants, but have really good action. Because after I have a couple of bad trips, I can go and convince myself I'm still a good fisherman. That's <laughs> right. You know, get get that tug and remember what it's like. Yeah. I used to have a little perch spot that I would go to if I when I was fishing tournaments. And if I had a bad tournament... I'd go catch 20 of those perch and bring them home just to get even so I could say, I still got it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We all got to have one of those, a couple of those spots. Boy, well, you know, I, have, I used to have a saying, anybody that tells me they catch fish every time they go is probably lying about everything else, too. So <laughs> That is very true. Very true. It's always fishing. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Dan, if people want to get a hold of you, book a trip, how do they do that? Well, you can re-
2: reach us uh, Facebook, has all our contact info, and Fishing with Bernie. Um, also, you can look us up, and we do weekly ice reports uh, for the lakes in the area on fishingwithbernie.com. Um, and those are kind of our two primary ways that you reach out to us.
1: All right, my friend. Thank you for joining us. You know, you and I have never fished together. We're going to have to change that in this next year. I agree, Terry. We need to get out. All right. Thanks, Dan. Tremendous information. Thanks for that report. All right. Take care. You bet. That's uh, Dan Shannon from Fishing with Bernie. You know, Bernie's kind of moved to warmer weather, but um, these guys have just ran with it, and they're doing so well, and they're just tremendous people. And if you want to see what it's like fishing up there, if you go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wixham, we do have a lot of Grandy fishing, both open water and ice, uh, on that channel. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, uh, Parks and Wildlife is going to join us and talk to us about the Conservation Goose season and some festivals and all that much more on Terry Wixom Outdoors presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wixom Outdoors presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones and joining us from the John Martin area is Jacob Peterson. Good morning, Jacob. Hey, Terry, how are you? You know, I'm doing great. It is uh, sunny and beautiful in Fort Collins today. What's the weather like in your part of the country?
3: Well, we got a little bit of a dusting down here last night, but overall it's starting to warm up. A lot of that's starting to melt off right now. So not too bad down here either.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and typically you guys are going to be warmer than us. I mean, you get some snow and some cold weather, but you get some awfully nice warm days in the winter too, don't
3: you? We do. Yeah, last week especially was pretty warm. Um, we've been getting lots of calls about wanting people to come out to do ice fishing, but, you know, frankly, it's just not a good bet to do out here like it is up <laughs> north up there. Let's talk a little bit about the lake. John Martin, when it's. At its peak
1: is one of the premier fisheries in the state. By the way, you have an event coming up. We're going to get to in a minute, too, that people are going to want to listen to. But the water does fluctuate a lot there. Now, I know some water was purchased a few years ago to maintain a better conservation pool so that we could maintain the fishery. What's the status of the lake right now? And what do you see going into the spring for John Martin?
3: So the spring itself is looking pretty good. Um, Right now we're at about the same water level that we were at the end of July last summer, which is also the same time we had to close our West boat ramp due to the low water level, but we'll still probably be seeing some more water coming in as the snow melts. So spring will probably be looking pretty good if anyone wants to come down, especially for when the crop are biting and want to come for that. Well, you know, it's, it's such a diverse
1: fishery. You've got the crappies. You've got a really nice white bass population there, and uh, there's a, there's typically good eye walleye fishing, and when the water and conditions are right, there's some great largemouth bass and catfish, too, in there. It's, just, it's a tremendous, you know, and it's far enough away from the main metro area's, where you don't get crowded, and even when it's down, it's still a fairly good-sized body of water. I I love the fishery down there. What about camping? Do you have year-round camping there?
3: We do, yeah. We have got year-round camping down in the uh, hasty campsite. That's always electrical year-round. We also have it up over on the point, which is going to be pretty treeless, but it's overlooking the reservoir, so it's a great view around sunrise or sunset.
1: Now... You also have some pretty good hunting opportunities. There's some upland game. There's other types of big game down there, but you really have a good waterfall population there. What about, um, I know duck season is going to end, I think next weekend, but there's, what about regular geese? And I want to transition then into the conservation season, but ducks and geese, how are they looking down
3: there? Oh, they're looking absolutely great. Um, Ducks, not as much geese, obviously. We've got all the snow geese down here. Um, but We're still seeing a couple of duck flocks fly down in the reservoir itself, which the southern portion of the reservoir near the dam, that is available for duck hunting, as well as the north wildlife area. However, on the park itself, that's all going to be closed off, as well as the eastern portion of the reservoir for any sort of boating to allow those birds to a resting area
1: (laughs) yeah you know it's kind of funny because we're talking about there's still geese that have come down and have become resident there probably or maybe they're still going south there's ducks up still up north heading through us up here but yet the conservation the snow geese as we call them uh those geese are starting to head north already aren't they
3: they are yeah um you know, we're still seeing the huge flocks of a couple thousand of them on land here at the reservoir, and around sunset, a lot of them are trying to fly up north up to the nesting ground. So, and, a really interesting um, bird, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> it, it is, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about a festival that you've got going on that involves all birding, and it's kind of named after them here in just a minute. But I would think as we get into February, that conservation season will kick in, and there's no limit. And if you time it right and get into some of the areas, whether it's out in eastern Colorado or down south in the John Martin area, there's other areas down there too, it can be phenomenal hunting. I've seen the sky virtually almost get blacked out in those 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 flocks get huge, don't they?
3: Oh, yeah, they do. They can get up to even 100,000 birds in one flock, um, which is why we have such high game limits for them. You know, up until February, mid-February, you're looking at a daily bag limit of fifty. And a position limit that's unlimited. And after yeah. that date, you're still looking at unlimited daily limit. So it's yeah, a it's, great opportunity for duck hunters and waterfowl hunters.
1: And and I want to explain to people the reason that is, is because um, all the conservation effort for wetlands and things are what support our waterfall population. And the cons- the conservation season is called on the the white geese or the snow geese. Has, has been so successful that actually the numbers are too large for the habitat and they need to be reduced before they destroy too much habitat. So it offers a great way for a hunter to help control the environment and be involved and have a great time. Now, along with that, because people love to come and see these birds too, you're having a festival. Tell us about that.
3: We are. So every year, Proward County hosts a <laughs> festival called the Snow Goose Festival for the High Plains. And they didn't have it last year, but they brought it back this year because COVID isn't as bad. So they've got all sorts of tours and all sorts of programs. Um, A lot of the programs are free. We're going to have a keynote speaker speaker with our area's biologist. He's going to be talking about lesser prairie chickens, um, which isn't as common of a bird that people know about, but it's a really interesting bird, that's for sure.
1: Well, and and this whole thing, even though it's called the Snow Goose or White, White Goose Festival, or I guess Snow Goose Festival, and because of the flocks of these light-colored geese that will be coming through, it really is a full birding event. Anybody who's into birding, and when you talk about the lesser prairie chicken, they've gone through some trials and tribulations over several states and regulations, but they are just an incredibly interesting bird, both to look at and to study, and they're a lot of fun. But you've got other activities, and I understand you usually have a lot of bald eagles down there for this too.
3: Yeah, at the reservoir itself we have probably a couple of dozen bald eagles that like to stay here during the winter. Um, No permanent nest down here, but it's a good opportunity for people who are a fan of raptors to come down that first weekend in February, take a couple of good pictures of the eagles and hopefully a lot of those snow geese as well.
1: And the Raptor Center themselves will be there for part of the festival, won't they?
3: Yep, we'll have the Raptor Center here. Um, like I said, our keynote speaker will be here. There's going to be a craft show at the Lamar High School as well as a lot of other programs kind of centered around Lamar and the uh, Comanche Grasslands down south. And then
1: a photo contest, is that right?
3: We do. Yep, we've got our photo contest this year. A couple of different categories. Um, there's going to be an adult category with edited, unedited photos, as well as a youth category. So if you have any family or kids that are trying to get into photography, that's a good opportunity for them. And of course, now you know, and this it can be anywhere ahead. in Colorado. So
1: now, the so this this is going February 3rd through the 6th.
3: Yep, so it'll start Thursday night, February 3rd, and it'll go all the way through Sunday morning. There's still a couple of tours that'll go on Sunday, but it's a pretty jam-packed weekend. And like I said, some of these events are going to be free, open to the public. Some of them will require some registration, but most of this information can be found on the High Plain No Goose Festival website or on the Facebook. So...
1: So just Google High Plains Snow Goose Festival. Is that the best way?
3: Yep, that's one way you can do it. Or it's also highplainsnowgoose.com and also on the High Plains Snow Goose Festival Facebook page. All right, very
1: good. Jacob, sounds like a great time, and I'm interested, too, to get you guys back on when you get closer to spring and get some updates on the reservoir. But this festival sounds like a really great time. I hope a lot of people take advantage of it. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. You bet Jacob Peterson from down in the uh, uh, John Martin area. You know, there's a lot of different lakes down in that John Martin area, a lot of different w- wetlands and stuff. Even though it's a dry prairie area, there's a lot of activity and it doesn't get the pressure that some of the other places get. If you haven't gone down there to recreate, you should check it out. It's really, really worth your time. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Brad Peterson is going to join us and we're going to talk waterfall, ice fishing, and maybe even a little turkey hunting on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 1043 The Fan. <laughs> listening to Terry Whistam Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, uh, locations up and down the front range. Let's go to our phones now, and joining us, one of our favorite contributors, he's on the show quite often, he covers a number of topics with us, and that's Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. I want to cover some, some ground with you today. Uh, let's start out uh, ice fishing. We've We've had on and off again weather, uh, especially on the front range, even the mountains. Some of the lakes were late. They got slushy, but things are settling in a little bit, especially in the mountains. But even on the front range, I did a little driving around, and there are some opportunities. What are you seeing out there uh, overall ice fishing?
0: Yeah, Terry, I'm actually out at St. Louis right now, and there is definitely, uh, seems like the ice is really settled in. It's It's about that four or five-inch range. Um, but it's holding steady. It's it's not getting too weak. And, um, you know, everywhere from Longmont up to, you know, kind of that Douglas Lake just north of Fort Collins area and then all the way out to Jackson, that seems to be about the ice amount. Jackson may have just a little bit more. And uh, the anglers that have been, uh, you know, held back a little bit because of the late start we had for ice fishing season sure are out in force right now.
1: I'll bet there's a pent-up demand, and I just want to caution everybody that, you know, we we say over and over there's no such thing as safe ice, but ice fishing can be extremely safe if you just use common sense, check the ice, understand the conditions, uh, and there's going to be a pent-up demand, so try not to go charging out. Make sure you're being cautious, checking the ice, and having the proper safety equipment with you at all times. You mentioned Jackson Lake. Now, that's a lake I've never ice fished what's it like there? It's kind of a shallow bowl is it difficult to locate fish and what are the expectations when you go to a lake like jackson you know
0: J- jackson's a little bit different um you know it does get a few trout in there but it that's not the real target when people head out there ice fishing the main target is either the crappies or the wipers you know it's it's one of the lakes that you can get on some a pretty good wiper bite through the ice And as far as really knowing where to fish, there's a couple spots that most anglers fish, either straight out from the boat ramp, um, you kind of drive out on a point, and if you were to keep going out there, there's a deeper hole that's in about 14 feet of water as as the lake fills up, and and where it is right now, I'd say you're probably close to that 14-foot depth. That holds some fish, and the main area that people fish is along the dam from the outlet structure towards the inlet area. Uh, be careful just in that inlet area. If they choose to turn the water on, pretty strong that can, that that current can weaken the ice up there. But um, those are the two main areas that those fish seem to set up. The crappies more by the outlet structure and the wipers are kind of mixed in or around that. So it's it's fun fishing, but if you're looking for really fast action um, and you're more familiar with going up to the mountains, but you don't want to travel as far, I'd, I'd stay closer to the front range, You know whether it's the St. Vrain Ponds, Lawn Hagler, uh, Boyd, Douglas, that all have been stocked with trout, and you're going to have that good action going on right now. And I will tell you something else I'm seeing out here at St. Vrain that is great to see. And I bet you at least every other group out here has some kids out here with them, and they're just having a ball catching these stocker trout.
1: Well, you know, and that that's a great point. A lot of these, um, if, as long as you know it's safe and you take the right precautions, St. Vrain gets heavily stocked going into the fall, and, and that's both for ice fishing and so that you get a good spring bite for those trout. And getting those kids out there, and if you can do minimal equipment, doesn't take a lot of skill, Sometimes you have to have a little patience because they cruise around, but typically you will get action, and, boy, that is so much fun. When And those old trout will give them a tug on an ice rod.
0: Oh, they they absolutely will, and and these are stocker trout. So I know you are talking to uh, Dan up there at Granby earlier, you know, and he's talking two, three-inch tubes and, and bigger ones for a lake trout. These are stalkers, so downsize a little bit. You know, maybe go with an inch or an inch and a half tube if you're going to fish that, or just just a little uh, small, one sixteenth, one thirty second, even even down to one sixty fourth ounce. You know, tungsten jig with either a, a small half inch or so. Of, you know piece of plastic there's there's a lot of good ones out there or a spike or a waxworm it's going to get you a lot more bites and when you've got kids out there that's the thing to keep them interested get the action the bites the the fighting of the fish and you're going to get them hooked
1: oh it, it's so much fun and and occasionally you will get some panfish out there too yeah you can there's the i have blue herring
0: and uh And bald eagle, were two of the last to free. Blue heron still has an open area that the birds are keeping. And those are the the two kind of primary better panfish spots. Bald eagle is an artificial lures only, and and they don't even want scented plastics in there. So just be aware of that. But um, you can get on some pretty good bluegill and crappie bites on these ponds. And they're even at times on the low light period is a good catfish bite. And I know a lot of people don't target catfish in the evening or, or, or through the ice, but it can be a lot of fun. And, and, you know, Glendo has it and a few of the other ponds,
1: but St. Rain has it too. Some of my biggest catfish in Colorado and Wyoming have come through the ice. It's amazing that, yeah, they are active and they will, they will bite. And you know, I want to move on to some other things, but one other place, I don't know if you, I haven't, I forgot to check this week, you know, the city park in Fort Collins offers some ice fishing opportunities.
0: Um, you need to check on that because there was some rule-making changes last year that um, I'm not sure
1: they're still allowing ice fishing at the park anymore. Okay, um, we'll check on that. So we don't want to put any false information out there. Um, but anyway, there's you said I drove around and saw kind of what you said, lawn Hagler, Bodecker, um, and uh, I didn't get to Douglas this time, but I checked it a while ago, and the anglers are heading out there, and I saw them catching stalker trout. Uh, on Douglas. Uh, Boyd had a number of anglers. They're starting to spread out on the lake. Have you heard much about Boyd? Yeah, you know, Boyd,
0: it, it got stocked about the normal time, but because the ice came on so late, it seems like the trout have spread out more. You know, normally that marina cove is just loaded with those stockers. And so it seems like they've spread out a little bit more. So Don't be afraid to kind of look around a bit outside the Marina Cove, maybe up by the the Jet Ski Beach, kind of up north, down south near the Heinrich Sea Inlet. You know, there's some trout down there and some perch being caught. And, you know, there are a few spots that the people that spend some time looking are getting into some bluegills. I would still be cautious around the uh, marina docks. Uh, Early in the year, there were a couple people that – went through they didn't go all the way through but they busted through and were able to get themselves out and anytime you have anything sticking out of the ice that's going to warm up quicker and melt that ice around it especially with these bright sunny you know, 40 degree days we've been having so you need to be extremely cautious around anything like that whether it's a dock uh, a boat ramp you know dock that's there or any of the buoys that are out just be extra cautious anytime you're around any of those areas
1: all right, let's switch gears while well, we still have some time. Waterfall, we've got, uh, what, a couple weeks left or a week and a half, two weeks left? you got till tell the, the end of the month for ducks, so about uh, 10 days or so. But goose goes on a little bit past that, and then we have the conservation season. First of all, what are you seeing out there? You know, I was out in the
0: duck blind yesterday, and it was um, at no point in time would I say it was fast action. But all day long, every 20 to 30 minutes, there was another group of ducks working. And the the craziest thing was probably the best flight we saw was between 2 and 3 in the afternoon. So this time of year, with these cooler mornings, um, it's one of those days when you go out duck hunting. In the early season, some people will go out and plan to just be out there for two hours. And I really think if you plan to do that this time of the year, you're missing out on the opportunity. You need to sp- plan to spend at least half a day, if not the whole day, to capitalize on the best flight. Mm-hmm. Our numbers still aren't, you know, as good as as we've seen in the past, but there are enough ducks out here to, to get your uh, a good number of opportunities. But the, the geese numbers, like they were talking about down at John Martin, uh, up north here, the Canada Goose numbers are really good. We're getting our bigger birds in, and if you head out east towards Pruitt and Jumbo and the Brush Power Plant, there's a lot of snow still in that area uh, that never even went further south. So you have a good mix of Canada's and snows up that way. And and it's going to be a good opportunity for people to get out and, and get on some birds for the last part of the season here.
1: And then, of course, the conservation season kicks in. I know most most guides like yourself don't do much guiding during the, the snow goose or conservation season because it's yeah, timing of those flights can be difficult, but boy, if you get into a, for a new hunter, if you get into a flock of those snow geese, especially after if you go out after the end of the month, when the other seasons are closed, and there aren't many hunters out. It can be a phenomenal opportunity, Brad.
0: It, it definitely can be. And, uh, you know, Typically it takes, if you're going to try and decoy hunt them, it takes more decoys. These birds are in big flocks. But there are some various places that allow pass shooting opportunities. Um, but snow goose decoys can be pretty cheap. You can get away with just getting the rags out there. And, you know, get four or five buddies together and you know, we'll buy 100 rags apiece. And all of a sudden you've got a pretty big spread coming together real fast. And one other thing that happens with that kind of conservation season is... It seems like you get a lot more, the landowners are more receptive to letting you go out and set up for a snow goose hunt because a lot of times the guys who lease the fields or, you know, all their friends that want to hunt, just want to hunt the Canadian geese. So once this conservation season comes around, you do have a better chance at knocking on doors and getting permission to get into fields. And, you know, there are people that have had really good luck just going around and finding the fields that the birds are, are sitting on or the ponds and jump shooting snow geese. I know up in the Dakotas, they do phenomenal uh, hunts up in South and in, in North Dakota. And the big thing is, with snow geese, is you kind of want to follow that snow and ice line. That, they're going to be pushing right up to that edge of either where there's, it's snow-covered and they can't feed anymore, or where there's too much ice, and they don't have a spot to roost. So, kind of keep an eye on that, and that's going to give you a good idea when that kind of prime two-week, three-week window is for the majority of the birds migrating through.
1: Brad, we are out of time. If people want to book a trip or want more information, how do they get a hold of you? You can reach me
0: on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors, or give me a call at 303
1: Eight two nine three Alright my friend we'll talk to you again very soon Alright thanks Terry You bet Brad Peterson really a great resource We're going to take a quick time out and we come back we've got so much more outdoors to cover on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan <laughs> Life has got you down, and the world's crashing all around. You can always count on me. Count on me to put my around you. Terry count Wickstrom on outdoors me, on 104.3 The Fan. Of course, that cut was from our new album that uh, Wickstrom and Doverith released just the first of the year. Uh, if you like that kind of music, we've got some country, a little bit of folk stuff in that. Just go uh, and search Wickstrom and Dobreth on your local streaming service. You'll find the songs. Or go to Facebook, Wickstrom and Dobreth, or to Twitter or Instagram, Wickstrom and Dobreth. We'd appreciate your support, and hopefully we'll have some more songs coming in addition to the ones that are out. I want to talk to you real quick about something uh, that that is going on in hunting. Before I get to that, though, I want to remind everybody that turkey hunting, the draw for turkey hunting is due by February 1st. So if you're thinking of applying for a tag, a draw tag for Turkey, you need to have it in by February 1st and you'll make sure you got your I's dotted and your T's crossed. Now there is good over the counter turkey hunting in Colorado, but some people really want to get into some of these dry areas. So you have till February 1st. The other thing I want to touch on briefly, there's a proposal in the Colorado legislature and I'm not sure if it's in committee or where the status is, but that proposal is to outlaw mountain lion, bobcat and lynx hunting in Colorado. Now lynx already is protected nationally. So that uh, obviously that won't change anything. We have somewhere between three and 5,000 mountain lions. I think the number is in Colorado and maybe 12,000 bobcats. And I'm just, it's very difficult to get counts on these animals because they're very, very stealthy animals. But hunting is a way that these animals' populations are controlled so that they don't over, get over extensive use of the environment. You know, mountain lions, they get too, too big a population. They're going to start affecting livestock. We're already seeing some of that with wolves. They're also going to start affecting the elk population. Elk and deer, uh, mountain lions love deer. That's their main food. And our deer population is already a little bit down from its peak years from where we'd like it to be. The elk population is very good in Colorado, but will it stay that way if we, if we outlaw hunting as a means of controlling these predators? I don't have good science. I want to get the right people on to talk to me before I draw total conclusions. But I have a fear that this is an anti-hunting not a, it's just an anti-hunting initiative that what it'll do, if you let the mountain lion numbers get out of control where you can't control them, especially in certain areas of the state, they're going to predate on livestock and on deer and elk. Livestock takes, has to be reimbursed by parks and wildlife. They will, it will cost money. They could go to other resources predating on the deer and elk could reduce the numbers this would give the anti-hunting group another round of saying hey the numbers are down maybe we should limit elk hunting or deer hunting in colorado i don't i want to get good biologists on i want to find out what they feel about it this is going to affect any community that draws its income from hunting and from agriculture potentially could be drastically affected by these measures. It's the tip of the iceberg. I want anybody who's an outdoor enthusiast to research these and put some careful thought into what you think about it and then contract, contact your, your legislators in Colorado and let them know your feelings. All right? All right. That's my soapbox for today, but we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, Nate Zelinsky is going to join us, and we're going to talk more ice fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.